Uh, so here we go. We're going to move throughout the Bible, uh, uh, particularly in the Old Testament. So just be ready as we move through and discuss the subject of fear. There are basically two specific types of fear that are mentioned in the Bible. Basically two specific types of fear that are mentioned, okay? The first type of fear is when you are afraid. And that's probably the one that we're the most familiar with, that's most common to us. Fear mentioned in scripture can be a time when someone is afraid, that they're terrified, that they're afraid of something. This is a dreadful kind of a fear. This is a negative fear, okay? And we see it through all, uh, all throughout the scripture. So this type of fear, this first type of fear is when you are terrified, you're alarmed, you're scared, okay? Now, over in the New Testament, we see it as the word, this Greek word, phobio. Melanie, we got that. There we go. There's your Greek word. Uh, this particular definition, this particular word being defined as being frightened or alarmed, there's your Greek word over in the New Testament. We know New Testament is written in Greek. So there's your Greek word. Now, what uh, English word does that look like? Phobia. Okay. All right. Now, keep this in the back of your mind because I'm going to come back to it. But let me make this statement and then we're going to move on. There are times in the, uh, in the scriptures, in the New Testament, that phobia or phobio or phobos, Melanie, do I have that word? Phobos, that is the root word of phobio that can mean to reverence. It can mean that. So just kind of keep that tucked in the back of your mind. All right? It can mean that, but you have to consider the context that you're reading to decide, does it mean fear? Someone's terrified, that kind of fear, or does it mean reverential fear? Okay, so context matters, 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 okay? So again, this is where we get our English word, phobia. Now, uh, I looked on the internet just to, you know, just uh, out of curiosity, and I found list upon list upon list of some of the most peculiar phobias uh, I, I think I've ever read about. Amethophobia is the fear of dust. They might have the fear of dust. Barophobia is the fear of gravity. Can you be afraid of not, I mean, of, of not floating away? I mean, I kind of like not floating away, you know? Catapetophobia is the fear of jumping. Chromophobia, anybody want to take a stab at that one? Chromophobia? No. The fear of color. The fear of color. Deca, decadophobia, decadophobia, the fear of making decisions. Inetophobia, inetophobia, the fear of pins. Like a, like a, I guess like a bobby pin or something. Logophobia, Caneo students, logo. What's that a fear of? Fear of words, very good. Melophobia, mellow, melody, melophobia would be a fear of music. Isn't that bizarre? Okay. And uh, pagophobia. This is so weird. Pagophobia, the fear of ice. I just thought that was weird. And my favorite one that I, I just scanned through real, real quick, but my favorite one was puppophobia. I thought that too, but it's the fear of puppets. The fear of puppets, puppophobia. So that is kind of where we get the, our phobias from 
is the word from our the word phobio or phobos in the Greek language. So once again, just recapping, this is when we are afraid. We become afraid of something. Okay? In the Old Testament, here's your Hebrew word, pakad. And again, it's the same thing. It means to come into just a sudden alarm. You're just alarmed. You're terrified. You're, you're, you know, it's dreadful to you. Now, remember, we're talking about types of fear. I'm giving you the first one. All right. So these type, this type of fear, the, this phobia, phobos, phobio, the Hebrew word there all mean a type of fear that causes anxiety on the inside of us or agitation or causes us to become uneasy. And we've all had this, had them as children. Uh, I think I read today that it said that, that everybody's born with the fear of sa- uh, fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. And then all the other phobias we develop over time. But anyway, so how many of you know that this type of fear, whether it be in the natural or in the spirit, can paralyze us? Can fear paralyze? Okay. And you think about that naturally speaking and in the spirit, being afraid can paralyze you. Let's define paralyzed. There it is. To bring to a condition. Now watch this, y'all. To bring to a condition of helpless stoppage inactivity, or inability to act. It also means to affect with paralysis. When we become afraid in the physical, all those things happen. We're in the house, we hear a sound, and we freeze. We couldn't move if we wanted to. And Melanie popped that next definition of paralysis up. To affect with paralysis is paralyzed. Well, here's your definition for paralysis, the loss or the impairment of voluntary movement in your body. You can't move if you want to when you're fearful in the physical. You think somebody's after you. You hear something. You see something in the night, and you're paralyzed physically. And the same thing happens in the spirit. We let our circumstances scare us. We let the enemy scare us. We let other people scare us. We let other fears scare us. Fear of man, fear of failure. And it will paralyze us in the spirit. It keeps us from moving on into what God's called us to do. It keeps us from moving into something brand new. It keeps us into uh, keeps us from trying something. It keeps us from moving into maybe a new area of ministry because we're so paralyzed in the spirit. I mean, has that ever happened? It's happened to all of us. We know what God's called us to do. We know what he's asked us to do, but we are scared to death. We're paralyzed. And so certainly uh, this can happen in the spirit. There's our truth. A believer experiencing this kind of fear, this type of fear can become spiritually paralyzed, just paralyzed. Now, how many times did the Lord tell us, and I tried to find a count on this. I was unsuccessful today, but a little bit more effort, I probably will to find it. How many times in the New Testament did Jesus say, fear not? Countless times. Now, first-year Caneo students, you've read a bunch already over in Matthew 1 through 8. You have seen where Jesus said, fear not, fear not, fear not. And many times he said that. Uh, I'll give you one scripture. If you're taking notes, you can write this one down. And it is Mark 5, 36. He said, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't you go over to Genesis 15. Go to Genesis 15. Let me show you something here. We're building. Everybody all right? Genesis 15. 
Okay. That is one of the greatest tools of the enemy as well as fear because he can cause us to be immobile. He loves to use fear. Okay. In Genesis 15, this is the first time in scripture where you find the phrase, don't be afraid or fear not. Look at it in Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Look what God tells him. Your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, or Abram said, Lord, what will you give me seeing I go childless into the air of my house? And the story goes on to, to tell us chapter 15, really 13, 14, 15, and I believe into 17. This is when God cuts covenant with Abraham. So he's basically saying, listen, I don't want you to be afraid. I'm going to give you promises and I am trustworthy and I can be counted on and I am dependable to fulfill what I'm trust, what I'm uh, promising you that I will do. So this is the first time, and I just find it very interesting that the first time you see the words fear not in the Bible has something to do with blood covenant. Because how many of you know that the covenant that we have with Jesus Christ, the new covenant, according to Hebrews, is a better covenant? So all the more should we not be in fear. Okay, isn't that good? Amen? All right. So the second kind of fear, we've looked at the first kind, and the second kind of fear is where I kind of want to land the plane tonight. The second kind of fear is called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Now, you don't hear a lot of teaching about this today. You don't hear a lot of teaching about the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to explain what it is, and we're going to, we're going to take a couple of journeys, and we're going to look at this closely tonight, okay? Now, as I said uh, a few moments ago, and I told you to tuck the thought away, the word phobos in the Greek can mean fear, trembling, terroring, uh, terrorizing kind of fear, but it also can mean rever reverential fear of God. It can mean that. According to the Strongs, listen to this. The reverential fear of God, this is a, a definition, as a controlling motive in life, in matters spiritual and moral. Now, this is not the kind of fear where we fear his power and we fear his judgment and we fear his retribution. It's not that kind of fear. This is when we fear displeasing him. Listen to what I'm saying. We fear displeasing him. And we want so badly to obey him because he's just good. That's the fear of the Lord, among other things, which we will get to. So I don't want you to hear me saying uh, that the fear of the Lord is, if I do this, this, and this, God's going to sap me. Now, there are consequences to our behavior. And a lot of times we end up in a mess because we did it. And there's just a consequence. If you go 85 miles an hour down Thompson Bridge Road, you just might get a ticket, doesn't have anything to do with the devil, and doesn't have anything to do with God not taking care of you. We just did it. It's not God zapping you. We just did it, okay? But this kind of, this kind of fear 
this fear of the Lord, and this is where I want us to really hone in on tonight, guys, because this all connects back to trust, is a reverential fear. In the Hebrew word, uh, the, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, where the Hebrew uh, language is used, it is the word yer. Okay? And again, it means to reverence. And it means to be in awe of someone or something. Or to be in wonder. To be in wonder. To stand in awe of. Now that kind of fear is healthy. The other kind of fear is unhealthy. And we saw how that can be detrimental. One kind of fear is beneficial. One kind of fear is detrimental. The first one we went over, detrimental. This fear of the Lord, this type of fear is beneficial. Okay? So our Hebrew word, yer. Now look at, the, look at this. comes right out of Strong's Concordance right here. Look at this. When the word yer, that's your Hebrew word in the Old Testament, is used of a person in an exalted position, the word connotes standing in awe of. So when you put yer, fear, with of the Lord, now we're talking about God. It means that is our exalted person. He is in an exalted position. That word lets us know that we are now standing in awe of that person. That's reverential fear. And that's a good kind of fear. Not trembling under his mighty grinding hand. But just in awe. You're just amazed with him. You are just overtaken with him. Amen. And I think I have this on a slide, but let me read it. A person with the fear of the Lord recognizes the power and the position of God and renders him proper respect. Renders God proper respect because we are just in awe of him. Now let me just take a little side note here and, and mention a couple of things. Then I'll get back to my notes. I think in the house of God, in the body of Christ, we have lost the fear of the Lord. We've lost the fear of the Lord. Not fear of his judgment, but I don't know if he, if we're in awe of him, like maybe we were when we first got saved. Oh my goodness, we were just so great. Just, just proud we weren't going to die and go to hell. But for some reason, Raymond, sometimes it's like Jesus just wears off. We're not in awe anymore. And the evidence of that is our prayer life lacks. There's dust on our Bible. We're late to praise and worship. We're yipping during the altar time. Right? We don't reverence the Lord like we should. Where, where somebody is running through the sanctuary. You know, this, do we reverence the temple? Do we reverence his word? Do we reverence our time with him? Do we reverence his presence? I wonder about that sometime. And we need to pay attention to that because this is a good fear to have. It's a ritual fear of the Lord. And I know the Bible talks about him being, uh, that Jesus is our friend and he's closer than a brother. But it's not just good old Jesus. He's not just a good old buddy. 
He's the savior of the Messiah. Who Matthew kept telling all of Israel, he's come. And then John the Baptist said, kill me if you want to. For greater is one, greater than I is one that is coming. Greater than I. So we've got to learn, guys, respect for Jesus, respect for the things of the Lord, respect for our platform, respect for leadership, respect for each other. Amen? So that we honor and reverence him. Amen? And how many of you know the scripture that Jesus said, couldn't do very many miracles in that city because they didn't honor me. Amen. Okay, so I'm not trying to beat this all up, but I'm just saying. This is all part of it. So back to that statement. Melanie, the person with the fear of the Lord recognizes the power and the position of God and renders him proper respect. So somebody that has the fear of the Lord, we want to have the fear of the Lord. Not fear the Lord, although that wouldn't be a bad thing in this day and time because you don't know what's right anymore and everybody and just ripping it from one end to the other. Nobody cares about consequences, so that might not be a bad thing. But the reverential fear is what I want to, to look at tonight. And so the person with reverential fear, this person is in wonder of God. They're in wonder of God. That's a reverential fear. That's a respect. That's an honor before him because, God, we just look at you and you are just wonderment. This person is in awe of God. I'm still in awe. And, Lord, don't ever let this go away from me, but I'm still in awe. I'm still in awe. And you know what we're studying in second year Caneo? We're in the Old Testament. We are studying, Donna, what do y'all get in there next year? How God Almighty the Father is chasing mankind from the beginning of time. He starts in Genesis. And this whole thing, all of the Bible, everything that God did, he is just trying to get man to come back to him and covenant that relationship. Everything that he does, from Genesis to Revelation, he is running after man. He's trying to get man back. And until we got in Canaan when we started studying, I never really realized that. But it is true. And we should be in awe of that. That for thousands and thousands of years, he's loved crazy old mankind that much. We keep jacking things up and he keeps giving us grace. The first man, we didn't move past the first man. The first man jacked it up. Didn't wait till the second or third generation. Here comes Adam. He's the first one that messes it up. We got a terrible wreck. But this person sees God in all of his glory. This person acknowledges God. And everything about this person, somebody that has the fear of the Lord, everything about that person is guided by the greatness of God. Somebody that has the fear of the Lord, they don't sin. Not because they fear judgment from God, but just because, you know what? God's just so great. I don't want to sin. I don't want to hurt him. He's so good to me. Have the fear of me. He's so good. He, 
He just sets me in awe. I just want to live. That's the fear of the Lord. That's a healthy fear. See what I'm saying? Isn't that good? So somebody in the, with the fear of the Lord, everything about their life is guided by the greatness of God. Not that he's going to pop you in the head, but just that he's so good and he's so great. You just want to reverence him. You just want to obey. Amen? So out of respect, that person reverences God. He wants to please him because of his greatness. It's not a fearful fear, but a reverential fear and a respectful fear just because God's so great. And as I said, I think we've lost that. We've lost the wonderment of the Lord. I mean, it shows up in our behavior, as I said a few moments ago. We've lost the awe of the Lord. And, and we don't consider his greatness like we used to. Look at this truth. Now listen to this very closely. I'm going to give you two or three truths. And if you don't write anything else down, write down the truths. I need you to write down the truths, okay? Write this one down. Edgar, you got this? Okay. Because he can text it to you if you need him to. When we use or when we lose the fear of the Lord, we give place to all other fear. You say, well, how in the world does that work? What does me not reverencing God, what does me not trusting God have anything to do with all the other fear in my life? The fear of God's not going to provide. The fear of will God heal me? The fear of will the Lord uh, save my children? The fear of uh, what does tomorrow bring? What has that got to do with losing the fear of the Lord? Everything. Let's look at it again. When we lose the fear of the Lord, and what is that? That is reverential fear. That's respecting him, recognizing his awe and his wonder. When we lose that, all other kind of fear is coming. It's coming. And we wonder why we're in fear if we'll trace it back to when did I stop respecting God and the things of God? You'll trace it right back there. And I'm going to show you how that happened. Go to Genesis 3. Fear grips more Christians today than it should. One of the best books I ever read on fear, you need to get it, whether you struggle with it or not. Read it, educate yourself, then pass it on to someone. It's called Fear Fighters by Pastor Jensen Franklin. Incredible book. Have you read that one, brother? Incorrect. I could not put that book down. Incredible book. You need to get that. Fear Fighters by Pastor Jensen. He's incredible. Okay, so how did this thing happen? How does this work? What do I mean when I say we lose the fear of the Lord? When we, uh, when we lose the fear of the Lord, we give place to all other fear. Go to Genesis 3. We all know the story. This is a story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Are we familiar with this? Let's read just a couple of passages. This is where in the beginning, of course, God's created the heavens and the earth. And after making the heavens and the earth and all the animals, he calls them good. God completes creation, and he says it's all very good, and then he breathes his spirit into man. Calls man very good, okay? And God explained to Adam and Eve what their lives were to be all about, and he says to them, uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, 
and I'm reading now, I believe it is out of chapter two. We'll get to three in a moment, but this is about 15 and the following. Um, Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, and every living thing that moves on the earth. Behold, I give, I've given unto you every plant yielding seed that is on the earth, the face of the earth, and every tree will with seed in its fruit. Uh, you shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Now, when Adam and Eve were in the garden at this time, they were perfect. And there was no fear of anything. No fear of anything. That kind of fear. Do y'all realize that? There was no fear like that of any kind. There was no fear like that of any kind. Horror, terror, shaking, wondering, looking. But there was reverential fear. Did Adam and Eve not fear the Lord? Their creator, he created them. He fellowshiped with them. Y'all know the story in Genesis. So much of God and man just right there together, enjoying each other. And it seemed like that is just how God wanted it. He just wanted to enjoy man. That was the original plan, see. So Adam and Eve were meant to be in total freedom and just enjoy God's world as participants. They were just going to be right there with God and enjoy the things of the garden and fellowship with the Lord and reverence him and love him and honor him as their creator. Listen to this statement. I think I've got it. The only fear they were meant to have was a fear of God that would keep them from knowing any other fear. If they stayed with that reverential fear of God, they stayed with that. It would keep them from knowing any other kind of fear. Just stay with reverencing God. He's almighty. We'll respect him. Out of the respect for him, we want to be obedient. He's, he awes us. He is wonder to us. That was the only kind of fear they were to have. Reverential. And that would keep them from knowing any other kind of fear. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Are we good? This fear was not the cowering kind of fear or the dread. It was just a respect for God. And that would keep Adam and Eve in perfect peace. If they would stay right there, it would have kept them in perfect peace. Now watch this truth. This is the main one. You need to write it on your forehead with a Sharpie or something. Here's the main truth of the night. This connects with what Pastor Todd's been teaching. The fear of the Lord is trusting God completely out of reverence for him. You're not trusting God because, oh, he's God. He, you know, he deserves trust. Oh, he's made some promises. He's done pretty good in the past. I think I'll trust him. No, you're trusting God for the impossible things simply because you reverence him. And he is a wonder to you. And he's magnificent. And his greatness and his power is, is, is off the scale. So just out of that, I don't trust him. You see what I'm saying? The fear of the Lord, there it is defined even better for you than earlier. 
is trusting God completely. Just have reverence. Just trust him because he's God. Just trust him because he is just off the chart with his power and his might and his wonder. I trust him because of that. Not because of what he can perform or do or what hoop he can drop through. But just because I want to reverence him. And the result of this is, is we will be obedient. Our obedience is an expression of our reverence for him. So we're just going to, we're, we're just so taken by him. We're so amazed by him. We're so stricken with him that we're simply driven to trust him based on that. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the difference than trying to, or trusting the Lord just because he can do this or that or jump through a couple of hoops for us? No, it's not that at all. We're trusting him because he's God. That's reverential fear. And that's a trust. That's the fear of the Lord is trusting God completely out of reverence for him. But somewhere along the way, in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve lost the fear of the Lord. They didn't any longer reverence him. Listen to where I'm going. They didn't reverence his commands. They didn't reverence his presence. They no longer trusted him. We might know exact, not, not know exactly when this went down, but I believe it has something to do with Genesis 3 when the enemy came. But somewhere along the way, they stopped fearing God. They stopped reverencing God. They stopped trusting God. And the result was sin and the fall in chapter 3. See what I'm saying? Well, Karen, I, I don't understand where you're going. I'm, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. There was perfect peace in the garden at this time. It resided there, perfect peace. And all of a sudden, it got broken. Isaiah 26.3 reads this way. You, talking about the Lord, will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Those that are trusting God, God will keep you in perfect peace because your mind is set on him. Now follow what I'm saying. Your mind is set on him and he'll keep you in perfect peace because your mind is set on him and because you've trusted him. See what it says? Because uh, And because he trusted you, Lord. That's what Isaiah the writer is saying. He says, Lord, you're going to keep people in perfect peace because their mind is stayed on you. And because they trust in you, Lord, you're going to keep them in peace. Well, Adam and Eve had peace broken. They had peace broken. And it started in about verse 2 of 3. And the woman said to the serpent, here is where they lost the reverential fear. When the enemy came in and began to speak to the mind of Eve and Adam, he was standing right there. All y'all men like to say it was us. Listen, if he'd have had his household in order, she wouldn't have done it. Amen? That's all we're going to say. Wasn't us. But I think we got the raw end of the deal. Our curses are a whole lot worse. You know? But anyway, that's for another day. But it's in, it's in chapter 2. Satan comes and he begins to speak to the mind of Eve. 
and he starts questioning God. I've told him this before. He starts questioning God in front of Eve. You can read it. He said, now, are you sure that's what God said, uh, Eve? Are you sure? And so he starts causing her to uh, to to, to uh, wonder a little bit about, well, what did God say? Poor thing, she misquotes God. Eve totally misquotes God. She says, God says, that is not what he said. You can read it in 2, 3, and 4. She totally misquotes God. She wasn't listening, apparently. And so the enemy shook her trust. He shook her trust in God. And she lost her trust in God. And that's where the reverence fell off. And the enemy does the same thing to us. He'll come and he'll say, you sure the Lord promised you that? And her trust is shaken. And then she starts wondering about God. And now she just can't reverence him anymore because she doesn't know if she knows him anymore. See how that works? And so that's what happened to Eve. And so now all of a sudden, Eve, who had never experienced that terrorizing kind of fear, she had never experienced that. Remember, they were in perfect fellowship with God in the garden, perfect fellowship. She had never experienced this kind of fear. All of a sudden, she starts fearing ignorance. Look at verse 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes are going to be open, Eve, and you'll be just like God. Well, she was like, well, I don't want to be dumb and all. I want to be like God. So I think I'll eat. She had a fear. Being ignorant is God holding back on me. Do you see that? Never had, Georgette, never had experienced that kind of terrorizing fear before. But when the enemy came, caused her to question, she shakes out of the trusting of God, no longer reverences him, him, starts questioning God, and then pulls back from reverential fear. Now she experiences the other kind of fear. She had never experienced that kind of fear before. But because the enemy spoke to her and shook her trust, now she's in fear of ignorance. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Adam, who had never experienced that kind of fear before, now he's fearful of his own wife and the pressure she's putting on. Found in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desired to make one wise, she took, she ate, and gave to her husband, and he ate too. He got all scared of her. If I don't, I'm going to get it. I got to eat. But do you see what I'm saying? I want you to pinpoint the moment that all this went down. The moment that she stepped into the fear of ignorance and the moment that he stepped into the fear of pressure is when the enemy came in and caused them to question what God had said. And when that happens to us, when the enemy comes in or another person or a situation or our circumstances look real bleak and we let that question what God said, we begin to step away from reverential fear. Because we don't know about him anymore. We don't know if he's great anymore. We don't know if he can put us in awe anymore. We, we wonder about it. You see how that happens? That goes back to what I said a moment ago. Melanie, put that, that truth back up. Put that truth back up. When we lose the fear of the Lord, 
we give place to all other fear. Do you see how it happens now? I just showed you in Genesis 3. See how that happens? Isn't that not amazing? It's stinking scary. Because there's people all around us that are so bound in fear. They're just bound in fear. And it's because somewhere along the way, they forgot how great God is. They forgot about the time he provided. They forgot about how just out of nowhere he came through one day. They forgot about those things. They forgot about how they went to the doctor and just somehow the cancer just disappeared. And you give way to fear. You're gripped in fear because you have forgot how big God is. Do you see how that works? Look at this other truth. The fear of the Lord is the fear that leads to life. Fear of any other thing will rob us of the life God intended for us to have. The fear of the Lord, that reverential fear, that trust, like Pastor Todd's been talking about, trusting him, that kind of fear, it'll lead you to life. Life. Fear, the other kind, the terror and the dread of anything else will rob us of the life God intended for us to have. Because you know why we lay in the bed at night awake in fear? How am I going to do it? What's the boss going to say? How am I going to straighten that out? How am I going to get them to believe me? How am I going to change my job? How am I going to, where's the courage going to come from for me to move from one job to another? How am I going to straighten that relationship out? How am I going to know that God's going to get in the middle of it and help me? We're in the terror and the dread. And it'll rob you of life and rest. And it'll make you be wrinkled and old and gray looking. But the fear of the Lord, just trusting him because he's mighty and he's great, brings life. It's what the word says. I'm going to show it to you right now. It's what the word says. Do I have not had that verse? should be a proverb. Yes, 1923, there it is. The fear of the Lord, it's in the verse, leads to life. He who has it has what? The fear of the Lord. Will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited by evil. Let's look at it again. The fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it, has the fear of the Lord, will abide in satisfaction. Abide in satisfaction. Does it say he'll be in satisfaction? It says he will abide in satisfaction. And abiding means you're living in it. You're residing in it. That is your place of occupancy, and you're not going anywhere. Do you want to abide in satisfaction? Then let's reverence the Lord. In everything that we do. Everything. Do y'all see that? Look at this next truth. All fear. The, the shaky kind is rooted in a loss of the fear of the Lord. All fear. If you're worried about something, you are tore out of the frame about something, you're anxious about something, and fear is just all over you. Somewhere along the line, you have forgotten who God is. Go back to that spot where you lost reverential fear for him. The time that you were able just to consider him, and you just sink down in him. And trust him. Amen? Do y'all see that? It's good stuff, I'm telling you. 
Let me remind you of the prior truth that I said was the main one. If you didn't write it down, here it comes again. The fear of the Lord is trusting God completely out of reverence for him. You just trust him because you're in awe of him. If for no other reason, he just knocks your socks off. He's just so mighty. If we fear sickness or we fear death or we fear other people, we fear what tomorrow's going to bring, we fear loss, all those fears are rooted in the loss of our realization of just how good and great God is. You go back to it. I mean, is he not greater? Is he not more powerful? Is he not more grand than anything we fear? We've lost reverential fear. When we no longer trust him, when we no longer trust him, fear will overtake us. It'll just overtake us. When we no longer trust him, fear will overtake us. Amen. I want you to go to two more scriptures and I'm going to close right here. It's 825. We got five minutes. Is everybody okay? See how important it is just to reverence him, right? Honor. Just be in awe of him. Hebrews 11. Two New Testament passages and then we close. Hebrews 11. This is going to build your faith. Bible says that we build our faith by the word. I've got a quote on my door. I believe it was Dwight L. Moody that said, I prayed and prayed for faith to come. And then he read the passage about faith coming through the word. And he said, I got my Bible out, started reading, and faith came. Don't be praying for faith. You got to work for faith. Feed the faith. Amen. Hebrews 11. Look at the scripture. Verse 6. Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That's reverential fear right there. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Verse 7 is the focal passage. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, God had told him the flood was coming. That's being divinely warned of something you've not seen because there had not been the rain, okay? Moved with godly fear. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Warned of things not yet seen. Moved with godly fear and went on and built the boat. Guys, we've got to find ourselves in that scripture right there. That based on what God said and not anything else, we move in godly fear and we build the boat. Amen? Not based on what somebody said, not based on the statistics, not based on, well, that's the way it normally happens, not based on any of that. What did God say? Based on that, you move in godly fear. And that's reverential fear. And that's moving just because you reverence him. Now go to Acts, and this is the last one. Acts 9.
Acts 9, 31. We'll pop up a few verses before that. You always want to grab a few verses before and a few verses after. This is a story of Paul, Saul, right along in there, Saul, um, at Jerusalem. Verse 29, he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenist, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out that they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Now we're talking about the churches. All the churches had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Walking in the fear is the Greek word phobos, which according to the text, you can tell what it means. It's not the shaky kind of fear. It's reverencing God. They're walking in the fear, the reverence of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They were multiplied. When they walked in the, 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 the fear of the Lord, some things happened. They preached with boldness. More scared. Didn't care what anybody said. We don't care what happens. We don't care what y'all say. We don't care what y'all believe. All we know is God is wonderful to us. That's all we know. And when they did that, they were comforted by the Holy Spirit, and those churches grew like crazy. So that's a testimony to Christ's fellowship. We start reverencing the Lord, honoring Him, loving Him, being obedient just because He's God, and we don't want to displease Him and lifting him up and trusting him and believing him just because he's God will multiply. Because the world will say, man, that crazy crowd in our Christ fellowship, they're different. I don't even know what they're doing, but all I know is he is blowing up down there. And it's just because we're reverencing him. We're reverencing his word. We're reverencing our time with him. Reverencing his presence. Reverencing each other. Reverencing the house. Amen. All right, let's stand and pray. Thank you, Lord. Jesus loves us. He's a friend of sinners. But you know, he's not he's not he's not a good old boy. We gotta reverence him. Over in Peter, God said about his son. He says he's precious. God called Jesus precious in the book of Peter. And that means valued. Now, if God the Father values his son, and Jesus didn't die for God the Father, he died for us, how much more should we value and reverence him? Lord Jesus, we come before you right now and and Lord, we confess that, you know, we've not respected you at times. And Lord, we've not respected your presence. Or maybe we said something or we made a comment that, you know, was just a little off color. And it was just disrespectful toward you, toward the kingdom, toward your throne. Father, we ask that you just cleanse us of these things. Lord, we want to have the fear of the Lord. We want to have that healthy fear. We want to reverence you. We want to respect you and honor you so that you can do great and mighty things among us and that you can just be glorified in the world, that you can get the glory. 
Lord, we know that unless we honor you, according to your word, you are not able to do certain things. But we want to walk in the godly fear of the Lord. We want to move in that godly fear as Noah did. We want to be like those churches and grow as we move in the fear of the Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your word and how you've imparted it to us tonight. How it so connects with what Pastor Todd's been, he's been talking about. We thank you and praise you for your goodness toward us. And we reverence you tonight. If for no other reason, just because you're wonderful. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.